Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will hey, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. You said earlier in the week that it started low and went high. We've been kind of talking about some low things these past couple of days. Are you ready for us to swing into the high mode of Psalm 14? I am so ready for that. Yeah, it starts to get gets grand and wonderful. and yeah, It does. I want it us does. to read that. We're going to read Psalm bit. 14 from the NIV today. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are overwhelmed with dread. For God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen to that. So when we were talking about this fool, and it starts low, one of the reasons being uh, I say that, um, is because we are all caught up in this picture. All have done these things. All are guilty of these things, as the Apostle Paul argues with great power in Romans chapter 3. I feel like as we move towards the end of the psalm, though, we get even more picture of this fool, even more outgrowth of a heart that's saying there is no God. Of course, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. And it shows in these uh, relationships, really abuses of his fellow man, and even those who are his brethren in the house of Israel, but the unfortunate and the poor and the impoverished. And uh, boy, he's just awful towards them. One of the shocking things about this psalm is we start with there's nobody, no one, not one, yet somehow there's a generation of the righteous. Mm. And yet somehow there's my people who are mm-hmm. eaten up like bread. And that that automatically causes me to, I mean, it causes me to back up and wonder what's going on here. Uh, what you have highlighted in your statement is God is showing the fool mm-hmm. sticks with his folly. Okay. And I think one of the things I'm seeing here is that there's basically two levels of fool. Okay. There's the level of fool that we all are. Okay. We, every one of us have really said in our heart, there is no God. Every one of us have done abominable things. As much as we want to claim what we did was not abominable, every one of us have had those days and times that are prayerless, Mm -hmm. that does not call upon the Lord. So there's that level of folly that every single one of us has had. But I think there's a second level of folly, and that's the level of folly that persists in that. Oh, wow. That persists in that and will not recognize what a fool I am and therefore turn to the Lord. So it's what, a a pride, a hubris that you're saying someone might even try to bring this to our attention, but we press on? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And so somehow in this psalm, while we've got everybody has been this kind of fool, we have folks that end up being the people of God. 
Mm-hmm. And we we have folks who who take refuge in the Lord. I was going to say, and that God is still a a hero and a protector for those that cannot do for themselves. And isn't that the key? Mm. You know what what's the the issue of the poor here? Um, it, in our modern day, I know we can read these kind of psalms, and all we think in terms of is the ter- is social justice for those who have less. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to dismiss that at all. But, you know, one of the things I find fascinating is that in Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel, mm-hmm. when she is coming to the Lord and is thanking God for having brought her Samuel, mm-hmm. She uses this same kind of language, and she talks about how God blesses the poor and how he brings down the rich, and yet she's using that as as praise and honor for God giving her a son, but she wasn't poor. Not in the sense that we think poor. Elkanah was, every time they went to worship, he gave portions to his entire family and gave her a double portion. This was not a poor family. Yeah, that's right. This is, as far as the Jews were concerned, she was probably doing pretty well. But she uses this picture of the poor as an explanation of where she was as a barren woman who now has a child. So her poverty was that she didn't have a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penina had a child, or mm-hmm. however you pronounce her name. She had children, so she was the wealthy who was mocking and belittling and oppressing her. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I want to get back to is this this use of poor here. I, I don't want to dismiss the financial poverty that is probably being expressed here. We do see folks taking advantage of that throughout Scripture, and that's that's commented on. But perhaps we should back up and realize what you just said a minute ago. Why would we use the poor as this illustration? Because they are the ones who realize they have nowhere to turn but God. Only God. Only God. I have nothing that that I can use to protect myself, to preserve myself, and so I turn to God. Now, it may be that very often the folks who are financially poor are that person simply because this this financial poverty makes it very clear, I have nowhere to go but God. Jesus himself says the rich will rarely enter the kingdom. So so why is it though that when fools or the fool is described in the Old Testament, it comes back to this relationship to the poor. I, uh, if I could, from Isaiah chapter 32, verses 6 and 7. Yeah. Isaiah 32, verse 6. For the foolish person will speak foolishness, and his heart will work iniquity, to practice ungodliness, to utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. Mm. Also, the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speak, uh, even when the needy speaks justice. Yeah, for some reason throughout Scripture, there is this connection of the fool and how the fool treats those who are poor, those who are impoverished, taking advantage, uh, walking even upon starving. them, even the starving. Yeah, and so uh, we. Again, I'm not wanting to dismiss this idea of even the financial poverty because this is what the fool does. The verse right before the ones you quoted said that the fool will no longer be called noble. Yeah. There was there's this time in Israel when the people who are acting like this are called noble. 
again, we mentioned it earlier in the week, I can't help but think about the Pharisees that Jesus talked about leading long prayers, but they're mm-hmm. devouring widows' houses. Yeah. Here were men who were called noble, and yet they were doing something very, very foolish because in their behavior, they were saying there is no God. Yeah. I'm not going to get judged for this. I'm, I'm just going to continue on. What all these are saying, though, is judgment comes upon people who act like that. And in our psalm, it says that there's great fear there. And honestly, in the psalm, it's like it just comes out of the blue. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's all of this folly and there's this abominable deeds and they're eating up God's people like bread and they're not calling on the Lord. And then boom, but there's great fear there. But they are in great fear. The, those first four verses didn't sound like a lot of fear. No. But what the psalmist is pointing out is, no, there's some terror there. And the reason there's terror there is because the poor know they only have one refuge and the refuge is God. God is with his people. And and I trust that God is going to deliver his people. And I think we have to recognize from the new covenant that poverty financially is not the symbol that you are taking refuge in God. There are a lot of impoverished people who do not take refuge in God. There are some, I don't want to say a lot, but there are some wealthy people who do take refuge in God. Paul actually wrote to Timothy about what he was supposed to say to the wealthy who had taken refuge in God. And if you remember what he said is, they're not supposed to take their refuge in their money. They're not. Um, Along with that, though, I think what we're also saying is my physical station in life, whether I have a lot of money, that's not necessarily a sign of a spiritual strength and health either. Right. I mean, these people are the the poor and the oppressed, and yet they seem to be the generation of the righteous in Psalm 14. So, I mean, I, I'd agree with you. It's poverty is not the badge of piety, but Ooh, I but, liked that phraseology there. But neither, but neither does. How can I turn it now? But neither does. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you from what you were going to say next. <laughs> poverty is not the badge of piety, mm. right? But but neither is uh, is wealth and riches, right? The proof of piety. What is taking refuge in the Lord? That's right. Taking refuge in the Lord, and of course, if I am wealthy and taking refuge in the Lord, I am going to use my wealth to help those who are poor and taking refuge in the Lord. Yeah, 1 Timothy 6. Yeah, absolutely. And we see that in Deuteronomy 15. That's what God expected of his people in Israel. We see that happening in the church in the first days of the church as they were selling off property and and everyone who had distributing among everyone who had need so that there was not a needy among them. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. find that we're going to take refuge in the Lord. And so when the fool behaves in folly, And he does corrupt and abominable things, taking advantage of those who seem to have no refuge. There needs to be great fear because those people do have a refuge and that refuge is God, which gets back to what I was trying to point out about the two levels of folly. There's the folly that we've all done, but then there's that second level of I'm going to persist in it instead of I'm a fool. So the only thing I can do is turn and take refuge in the Lord. Yeah. And We've mentioned that prayer by the Pharisee in Jesus' story in Luke 18 of the Pharisee and the tax collector. What did the tax collector do, though, in his prayer? God, be merciful to be a sinner. Where did he take his refuge? Just in the Lord. In the Lord. And he's highlighting, remember God, as he declares his name, merciful and compassionate. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Because there's only one place for me to take refuge. It's in your name. It's in your name. The fascinating thing is the tax collector, being a tax collector, was probably kind of wealthy. 
Mm-hmm. But what's he doing? He's taking refuge in the Lord. Yeah. That's that's where I need to be. Anything less is compounding my folly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well, I appreciate so much this conversation we've been having about Psalm 14 this week. We've got an opportunity, of course, to talk with anyone that wants to send us an email, text talk at christiansmeethere.org, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd uh, love it if you'd share the podcast with a friend, give us a rating. It helps people to find it. That would just be great. And now we're going to have a word of prayer. Anyone? Holy God, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you so much for your salvation. Thank you for being our refuge. And for all of us, may we never take refuge in money. May we never take refuge in our own strength and righteousness and power. May we take refuge simply in you and your son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, we love you so very much. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Okay. All right. All right. Hey there, Edwin. (laughs) Which of us is starting this one? I don't know. I I get so confused. I thought it was my turn. Okay, then go ahead. Yeah. Are they scripting these? (laughs) No kidding.